Hello, this is Teachings in the Air with Zahilthit, coming to you from Manitoba, the homelands of the Dakota, the Cree, Oji Cree, Cascadene in the north, and the Métis, of course, and all the visitors that come to Manitoba. It's a nice, sunny, cold day in Brandon, Manitoba negative 26 outside and it's uh but i'm so happy to be here today to talk to you you know and i have wonderful guests with me today i'm blessed to have these guests with me but the topic of the podcast is um you know it's about not being ourself when we look at ourselves. actually i call it um you know, and calls that look at yourself and ask yourself this question. Am I happy the way I'm living? You know, that's a question that we need to ask. And if you're not, then that means that there's something in your life that will not go away. It comes to you when you're sleeping. It comes to you in the daytime when you see something that reminds you of something that has hurt you or harmed you or make you not feel good about life. So this is about what we're going to be talking today was uh, one part of it is behavior. How am I behaving with other people? Am I afraid of them? Am I angry? Do I get depressed? You know, and we have, I know in my own life, I spent many years not being happy the way I was living about my life. And that affected how I was with family and community. You know, I grew up being angry, being afraid, being depressed because of residential school and about racism and about religion, you know, about there's things in my life that I was, in a sense, they owned me. And my attitude was negative. Attitude means I'm acting and talking the way I think. So I was angry at what happened to me at a residential school as a child. You know, I would get depressed thinking about it. And it wouldn't go away. It'd come to visit me in my dreams. I would remember and I wouldn't be myself. So I was not handling stress very well in my life. Because we, all of us encounter stress. Somebody disagrees with us and I get stressed out. But because of my, the way I was, I wasn't handling it right. I wasn't resolving life's problems that come up for all of us, all human beings. So I wasn't making healthy choices in my life. You know, I was um, drinking and doing drugs. I 
my eating was, I'd eaten junk food, I'd eat too much or I'd stop eating, you know, I had weight problems and all of a sudden, I remember one day my cousin said, Jerry, you're an anorexic, you know, because <laughs> I stopped eating and I'd just be skin and bone. Then six months later, again, I'm overweight and my skin was bad, you know, and I was in a bad way. You know, when I was living that life, it was a lonely life, even though I'm surrounded with people. And I, you know, so I, I tell people I was either exploding or imploding. Explode, I'd throw things around, I get angry at the wrong people at the wrong time, you know, or I'm just inside of myself. You know, and I start chain smoking cigarettes. I tell people today, and some of them are shocked, and I'd say, you know what, I almost got up to two packs of cigarettes a day, smoking. You know, and I just, because I was, I guess the term is, I had anxiety. It's filled with fear. And when, you, when I was filled with fear, it affected my breathing. So I'm breathing really shallow, like I'm hiding. So when I have a cigarette, <laughs> I take a breath, then I blow it out, then I take another breath. So in a sense, I, with the stress, I was smothering myself. And we don't get enough oxygen, and I didn't get enough oxygen in my system. It's like I was um, becoming panicky because I wasn't breathing properly. So it's sort of ironic or crazy to say smoking was helping me to breathe. That's why I was chain smoking, you know. <laughs> you know, my body was trying to help itself, but I used the wrong medicine in my life. I, I neglected my body, like I was saying. I had sleep problems. I'd either sleep too much or not enough, you know, so it's like a roller coaster. And, um, I felt guilty that I'm not a good dad, a good son, a good brother, uncle. And I, 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 could, I could say, you know, I felt worthless in a sense. I didn't feel any value. So I fell into addictions, substance addiction. You know, I drank, I smoked, I ate pills. Then the process addiction, I'd watch TV you know, things that I'd escape into. You know, so I wasn't a happy camper, so I needed healing, I needed help in my life. And that's why I'm just so happy today, my guests from Strawberry Medicine have agreed to come and share with me, you know, their work. People that answer the call to help those that are suffering are beautiful people. They're precious people, the ones that answer the call. Because I know from visiting communities all across Canada, we have people that are either angry all the time or depressed or afraid to come out even to public, to the band office or to the band hall. You know, they sort of lock themselves in their house. I know that's true.
So we need organizations and people like Strawberry Medicine. I just love the name too, because Strawberry is medicine itself. And then medicine, you know, that we take to heal ourselves. And uh, there's all kinds of medicine. Herbs, you know, like sage, cedar, sweet grass, fungus. There's all kinds of medicine we can burn or make tea or rub it on our body. And then we have people that take on the challenge of using their ears and their voice to help people. And those are the counselors. The word counsel literally means to solve a problem, problem solver. So when you go see a counselor, they're going to help you solve a problem. That's a hope, that's a goal, you know. So I just wanted to um, once again thank my wonderful guests for coming to Teachings in the Air with Sahil Fit. And I'm going to um, ask my guests to introduce themselves and to, to tell us why they're doing what they're doing. How come you're, you know, it's a tough job working with people. I've done that for, since 1976. And it can be challenging. I know that from personal experience. And that's why I have such an appreciation for my guests today. So I'll start off with Stephanie, if you can introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your family and your, your people and, and why you've come to this work of helping people. Hari, Stephanie Erickson, Lesuzi, Plazden, Zehezia, Russell Yu, Hasto, Yudogi, Neko, Inkez, Nanyan, Neba inka in case uwastlili it's negun inenela. My name is Stephanie Erickson. I come from Plasden, which is Tache, BC. And I am from the Vassalu, which is the Frog Clan. And I am uh, bestowed by the Creator to be the protector of water. Um, so my my why as to why I do this work is within the creation story of the the strawberry um the whole reason why my practice is called strawberry medicine is because my mom had passed away when I was very young, and I carried that grief and didn't know how to process that grief my entire life. And I was very, very much so just stuck in that anger portion, um, feeling abandoned by my mom um, for much of my life, right? Um, she had passed away from suicide, uh, just depression. She was an Indian day school survivor and just had no access to the the healing that we have today, right? Um, so in the fall of 2019, I had my very first burning ceremony. And I, I held this ceremony um, because I had a dream about it. 
And uh, so I brought it to life and I had the ceremony with my daughter, my sister and her daughter. And uh, in the springtime, I was told by a very wise man that when you burn something, um, you, you plant something beautiful on that spot so that it can be renewed again. So that spring, I was turning 30 years old and the full moon landed on my birthday. And so I decided to um, make myself a new ribbon skirt for this this. I didn't even know what I was going to plant at the time, but I knew I was going to plant something. I was just going to go and just whatever my heart called me to at the garden center, I was just going to plant it in that spot. And um, I started listening to Robin Wall Kimmerer's Braiding Sweetgrass while I was uh, doing up my ribbon skirt. And uh, she was talking about how the strawberry... um, grew from the heart on the grave of Sky Woman's daughter because Sky Woman's daughter passed away in childbirth and she didn't want that that energy to be left on earth as a result of her passing, that pain and that sorrow. So the strawberry grew from the heart on her grave to, he, to mend the hearts of her mom so that she can love her, her two kids, her two boys, unconditionally because she's seen that there was, there was some resentment and whatever else that her mom prevented her from being able to love those kids because she was sad that her daughter had passed away, right? So I'm all about building up strong kinship systems and love and bringing back that Indigenous unconditional love within our kinship systems. Um, I do that with my own kids. I'm a mother of four. So um, just this whole story just resonated with everything that was a part of my path. And so I... I planted uh, five strawberry plants um, because five at the time just felt really relevant to me. Um, It just popped into my head. And little did I know, um, the self-care medicine wheel book that would come about not even a full year later um, would have five separate pieces to it. Um, so I'll get to that in a second, but, um, I had graduated that year that I had done this planting of these strawberries and I was actually going to start up a private practice, um, with another person, but it just didn't go as planned. And so I was planning after I was done school just to go and work within the first nations organization. So the way that things happened, um, was just spirit bringing up challenges to put me where I was supposed to be. And I just kept on, I was, I was trying not to get caught up in the stress of it all. I was just trying to just continuing, continue to ask myself to show me my, my next best move. And every single day I just answered the call and kept on moving forward. And then all of a sudden I was in my own private practice. So I opened it up in October, 2020 And I was trying to figure out a name and I was trying to figure out like, what is me? What feels like just resonates within my own heart. And I'm all about um, healing from getting, taking that 17 inch long journey from our head to our heart and becoming wholehearted. So I do, I read and studied a lot of Brene Brown's work around wholeheartedness and wholehearted living and, um, and I just, 
as I was filling out the paperwork, that, that story came back in my head about Skywoman's daughter in the heart. And so I wanted to call my, my company NZU, which means Strawberry Medicine and Dakev. Um, but the, the business registry doesn't let, let you have a glottal um, as, a, as a first letter. And so I had to go with Strawberry Medicine, um, which is, you know, sec- second best, I guess. Um, but um, I, I, I resonated with this so much that I knew it right right from when it came into my mind that this was going to be my company's name. And so this is why I do this work is because I, I know what it's like to have immense grief, loss, pain, um, heartache, trauma, and to feel so disconnected from yourself um, that you don't even know where to begin in your own healing journey. Um, but I think that at the end of the day, it, it does come down to that to that moment where you look at yourself and you realize that you're not being yourself. That you, you, like your your spirit knows that there's something greater out there for you. And so I talk about in the self care medicine wheel um, about the spirit of transformation and how it's forever present, and it's always pushing us forward because it, it knows that we we deserve better and that it's wants us to connect to what do I want, what do I need, and know the importance of being that being met within our lives. And um, I know that a lot of people will get the spirit of transformation confused with the with, with suicide because it's so, um, it, it can get very loud and it can like start screaming at you being like, I really don't like the way that we're living and we need to do something to, to stop this pain. And we need to do, we need to take action to bring this beautiful life into being that we know that we're worthy of, but it's like our, our minds, our egos just get so stuck in the pain and the suffering of this, of this world. And it doesn't see or hear that message very clearly. It hears it as I need to take action to, to die because I, I can't live a life like this anymore. But it's like our spirit's telling us, like, it's it's all about, um, it knows that we want better and it knows that we're, it's pushing us forward. So, um, you know, you talk about um, breathing shallow and, and, and smoking cigarettes and, uh, I say this to my clients all the time around coping that a lot of us, we breathe shallow because it's a, it's a trauma response, right? When we're in a freeze response and we, we get to a place of like, because our freeze responses are like, I can't do anything. I can't run away and I can't fight this threat, whatever it may be. So I'm going to shut down. And when we're in shutdown, it's like we're playing dead, right? So we don't breathe properly. And so smoking just offers that, that escape to, to just give us a break, a five minute break where we're actually taking deep inhales. And that's why it feels so relaxing because you're actually breathing. So I, I invite my clients all the time when they're trying to stop smoking to just take five minutes to go outside and just to do some um, deep breath work techniques. So I share this with my clients all the time. I call it the strawberry medicine breathing technique. And I invite you all to do it with me right now. Um, so we're just going to ground out our energy 
and just soften your forehead. Drop your tongue from the roof, roof of your mouth. Relax your shoulders. Do a neck roll to one side and then to the other side. And then shake out any tension that you're holding in your body, just anything that feels good to you, just shake it all out. And now we're going to do the strawberry medicine breathwork technique and do this three times. So take a nice deep belly breath, pulling up from your bottom all the way up through the top of your head. Envisioning your body becoming clear and open. Hold that for three seconds to nourish your spirit, mind, and body. And then exhale and let your chest ease and embrace the sensation in your heart. Whatever that sensation may be. Might be uncomfortable, that's okay. Take a nice deep belly breath in through your nose, pulling up from your bottom all the way through your torso, throughout the top of your head, and envisioning your body becoming really clear and open. Hold that to nourish your spirit, mind, and body. And then exhale and let your chest ease and embrace the sensation in your heart. Again, whatever that sensation may be for you right now. One more time, take a deep belly breath, pulling up from your bottom all the way through your torso and out through the top of your head, envisioning your body becoming clear and open, and then hold for three seconds to nourish your spirit, mind, and body, and then exhale and let your chest ease and embrace the sensation in your heart. So I love doing that breathwork technique with my clients because... Um, it, it is all about answering the call. The self-care medicine wheel, I have a copy of it right here. Um, the very first page is literally says, oh, well, I have a seven directions prayer first, but um, the very first page says answer the call. And it talks about just the importance of, you know, we are ancestors' prayers embrace their indigenous love and indigenous strength rather than their colonial pain. So this whole book is, it actually just got updated and it's now like 40 more pages bigger. Um, but it's all about everything that helped me on my healing journey to balance out my medicine wheel and how I continue to balance out my medicine wheel. And um, that, you know, healing's always going to be circular right we can always ascend up um or else sometimes we circle the drain and both both are okay on our journeys and both have lessons and and um opportunities for healing and it's it's a it's a journey it's an it's a never-ending journey right it's our, our purpose here is to find ways to get our spirit to shine brighter every single day we're given that opportunity um, I always think about, I, I would always listen to um, Oprah's Super Soul Conversations. And um, there was a spot, she interviewed this one man who identified himself as an atheist until he got into a plane crash. And he was the only survivor. And he said that when he had woken up and looked back, he had seen all of the souls rising out of the bodies. And he noticed that some souls were brighter than others. And he said in that moment, he made it his life mission to become a brighter soul. So I always think about that. So I always think about the challenges in my life. And when I'm experiencing negativity or suffering and I, I look at it and I, I ask myself, like, what is this here to teach me? 
how can I use this to, to help my soul be brighter? So that is my why. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Good teachings mm. and good, um, I've done the breathing with you. And I've been doing that too with people that I work with. And it's such a, and people are so appreciative of having someone helping them breathe, you know, that full breath right to the bottom of the tummy and, and to exhale and feel their shoulders settle down, their body settle down to ground them. So thank you for sharing. Um, I'm going to turn to Sarah next to have her introduce herself and tell us a bit about you answering the call, Sarah. Amishnanu Kakiaka in Squachicha Incha Statlia Muta Ojibwe. Good morning. My traditional name is Kakiaka and I'm Statlian and Ojibwe. Uh, very grateful to be here. I feel like I could talk for hours on the why that I do this work, but instead I'm going to share a story because we're all storytellers. Um, years ago when I was at a band meeting, um, during the beginning years of my undergrad, one of our elders got up and he was speaking and he broke down and he said, you know, we're struggling and we're suffering from our time in residential schools and we need to heal and we need mental health supports in our community and we don't have that. And it just clicked and I was like, you know what, that's, that's me, that's going to... And so I took a psychology course um, and right from that course I knew what I was going to do, started my journey from there and um, yeah, that's kind of the story of how I got into this. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just stop there. Thank you, Sarah. I can just imagine the elders you're listening to because um, I'm Statlium too and I've been to those communities yes. many times. So thank you. Okay, Vanessa. Hello, I'm Vanessa Carpenter. I'm from the Wet'suwet'en Nation in Northern British Columbia, also known as Wasat. I come from the Small Frog Clan, Luxilio. Um, I'm a mother of four. And I think I always just been in the helping field and um, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, I just went to, since I graduated, I just knew I needed to leave my community and figure something out. And I just always listened to my intuition. And I never knew what that would look like. Um, I applied to a whole bunch of different universities across BC, and I just went to the first one that accepted me. So I went to Vancouver Island University, and I was thinking social work. Then I ended up in the child and youth care program. I completed that that BA and um, and then I ended up as soon as I completed that degree I met my husband at that school um, wasn't looking for anybody but he ended up showing up <laughs> um, and then I applied I did the exact same thing as soon as I graduated I applied all over BC to figure out okay where am, where, where am I going to land where, do I, where am I needed and Prince George was the first one that that took me, and I've been in this position since 2005, so 18 years. Um, and then I ended up applying for the Masters of Education program, thinking I was going to go into education, and then I ended up in counseling. So always just keep following that intuition because you never know where it's going to land you. And then I completed the counseling, and I always say, like, I'm never going to do groups or, no, I can't see myself being a counselor. Um, I still got work to do on myself. But those are the best counselors is when you're struggling, then you're going to, you're working through things. So then you're, 
walking parallel with people to help them walk through their, their journey too. Anybody you meet, you're gonna, you're meant to meet them. And anybody, I guess, yeah, anybody you meet, they all have a family and they're loved. They're meant to be here. So now it's a matter of like, how are you gonna connect with them? We're social beings, we're always looking for connection. And if you don't get that connection, that's where that anger comes in, or then that self-destruction. So now the first step is how do you first connect with those, with your, your needs? Maybe you start off with when you're thirsty, you take a drink. Start with the basic needs and then work your way up. Um, things that I'm even still learning, like even when I meet the young people I see today or elders, or I'm still learning about myself and where I'm supposed to be. It's, it's a never-ending journey, I guess. And just thankful for whoever I walk into or who I connect with, because I work at a clinic also with strawberry medicine. And like you said um, at the beginning, Indigenous people don't go into really clinics and into, into counseling sessions. Um, but something happened two weeks ago. An Indigenous youth came in and she's like, well... I'm not going to go talk to a non-Indigenous person. I'm just not going to say anything. And then here I come out, an Indigenous woman walking out into the clinic and called their name and they're like, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> something shifted in them. Um, and after that session, they're like, my plan, my whole plan was not to say anything, but here you are, you, you opened me up. And that's the point of counseling, making that connection with someone. There's so many counselors out there um, it's like finding a hairdresser. They all can cut hair. Now it's a matter of which counselor do you connect with and who's going to draw the best things out of you. And that's a work in itself right there. I think that's why I do it. Is It's fun. I just never know who I'm going to meet. Thanks. Thank you, Vanessa. You know, it's so wonderful to hear people think the way I think. You know, because uh, it's all about healing, and the word heal means to become original. Like if you can imagine when we're a baby, we smell so nice, and you look at our eyes, are so clear, you know, and we're, as we grow, we're not afraid to show affection. We'll hug people, kiss them on the cheeks, pull their ears. We do all those things as little babies. And we're basically pure. You look at a baby, they're exploring all the time, their eyes are looking, they're curious, you know, and they express themselves. If they're hungry, they get angry, and then you feed them and they're smiling again, you know, most babies anyway, you know. So when, when um, we get into this field, after years, like I've been involved since 1976, and I finally come to that place where, you know, my, my own comfort level as someone working with another human being or group work. And I finally said, okay, there's three areas that I can help these people with. Their mind, their body, and their spirit. Because if their mind is conflicted or they're with identity or actually it's a storehouse of emotions, our mind, that's where our memories are. So when I was there and I was thinking negative about myself, my attitude, because remember, attitude is our, our thoughts and action. We're acting the way we think, 
were talking the way I was talking the way I was thinking, which was negative. So I had to get help for my mind. Because one of the things that really I, took me a long time to heal from, because I absorbed it as a child, was the word stupid Indians. I heard that as a six-year-old. And I started, you know, when we're six years old, we just absorb everything like a sponge. It just comes in and it doesn't go out. You know, we don't kick it out or anything. It, become, it became part of Jerry. Stupid Indians. And I thought I was stupid. Because I made mistakes and I'd correct them with big red X's when I was in elementary school, you know, and slap me and call me a stupid Indian. So my mind was messed up. Because before I went to school, I was a happy child. You know, I come from a good home. You know, I always had food and affection and things like that. But once I started to go, go to school, it's the first time I became insecure on who I was. So my mind got hit at a very deep level of, um, or not deep, it just got in there. Just like it, it was all that was in my mind was this image of stupid Indians, crazy Indians, drunken Indians. And I was young, that's a, that's a term they used with us. Now we hear the term indigenous. I still hear some people say Indians, you know, that we're Indians. And so that's my mind and my body. I needed to find healing for my body. Because when I was a baby, I sat like an eagle all the time. You look at babies and they sit straight. You know, three or four years old, they're sitting like this and they're looking around, you know. And then as I got older and I went to residential school, I became a slouch. I was slouching around, you know, and I, and I wasn't taking care of my body. Not brushing my teeth or, you know, careful what I eat or anything like that. So my body got weak. You know, and it showed in my skin, you know, my skin became bad, you know, and I, so I needed help for that body. Because I absorbed the blows from the teachers, went into my muscle structure. So I sit with my shoulders up, because that's where you're protecting yourself. And when um, Stephanie was doing the breathing exercise, Every time I do that, I can feel my shoulders settle down. Because sometimes I'm trying to carry the world on my shoulders. So when I go through a breathing exercise by myself, or if someone guides us like Stephanie, when I take a deep breath and I exhale, I can feel my shoulders settling down. So it helped my body. So we work on our body as part of healing. Then the spirit, my spirit was weak because when we have a strong spirit, we have this incredible will to live, to celebrate life, to be, what do they call that, you know, to be in awe of creation, you know, to have a sense of wonder. Like I went out last night, it was negative 30. And I went out, I was walking around, I had my big parka on, my fur hat, and I'm out there. And there's a new moon in the prairies. It's very clear. And I was looking up and I said, gosh, that's beautiful. 
That's so beautiful. Like this new moon, like it's just a sliver of a moon up there. That sense of wonder that I had lost when I did not receive help for myself, for my spirit. Because now I'll look at things and I'll see the beauty. But most importantly, I'll feel the beauty. You know, I remember when I was in a, in a state of depression, I went to see our elder. He happened to be our social worker in my community. And I went and I said, Toma, I said, I'm in trouble. And he said, oh, how so? I said, well, I was out walking around and where I'm from is beautiful mountains and trees and isolated reserve and the blue sky. And I said, it's beautiful outside, but I can't feel it. He says, oh, yes, you need help, Jerry. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're in a bad way. So I needed help for my spirit, too. And I heard Vanessa talk about that young boy or that youngster that came. And that's true, you ladies, you life givers, you're a gift. I said, you're a gift. And you're precious. Because when our people see you, that they can relax. Oh, this one will understand. This is the same as me. Because I had that same experience. I was working for um, Child and Family Services. And I told them, I don't want to work in the office. I want to go to the homes. So they gave me the name of the family and tell me where they live. And they phoned the family up and said, we've got a counselor coming to see you. And I go there and knock on the door. And I knocked on this door and this man opened the door. Ah, oh, what do you want? I said, oh, I'm the counselor from Child and Family Services. And they looked at me. He says, you're an Indian. I said, yes, I am. He told them which community I'm from, who my parents were. Oh, come on in. Come on in. You know, and uh, have a cup of tea, you know, because I'm there because their, their children may be apprehended if they don't get help. So what Vanessa said, that's so true, that our people need our people to help them to heal. And healing is a journey, it's not a destination. We need constant healing, like um, Stephanie was sharing about loss, grief and loss. That's part of our life. So we need to find ways to support people through that. Because many people have no skill or no teachings in what to do around grief and loss. Grieve is actually a French word that means to carry heaviness. And that's such an appropriate word. Because when I, when I had grief, it's my shoulders would go down, my head would go down, you know, it's heavy. So, but one of my um, teachers told me, if you can get people to talk truthfully about what's going on, 50% of the stress leaves their body it's easier for them to get into problem-solving. So when I look at you three life-givers, that's what I see, that that's what you're providing. 
So those three areas of what we call mental health, physical health, and spirit health, because the spirit is what holds our body together. And when our spirit is strong, we have no quit in us. We keep going. We keep fighting for goodness. We look for healing. You know, so that's, um, that's what we're about. I've had people, and I do presentations, they say, Jerry, what about the emotions? Those, I said, those are all real. But the emotions are because of what happens, like in that, and I said about me being a stupid Indian. What kind of emotions come up with Jerry when he'd hear that? Part of it was depression, because I'm stupid. After a while, I turned to anger. You know, or my body, if somebody hit me and beat me or assaulted me. Oh, the whole body gets affected, you tense up all over. We need people that teach us how to breathe, like Stephanie. All of us need to do that with the people we work, I believe. Start off your sessions. Exhale through the mouth slowly. Like uh, Stephanie says, clear your mind and body. I'm going to start to use those terms, Stephanie. I want to let you know. But I'll let them know. Stephanie Erickson taught me this. Because <laughs> I've been doing that and I didn't have those words with it, but it still worked. Okay, Stephanie, I'd just like to, you know, like if you care to talk about the work and who your teachers were. Because I, I'm asking these questions because we need help. We have listeners all over Canada and the United States. And perhaps some young ladies or girls will hear this out there and then maybe want to become a counselor or a helper too. A guide, I, I like to call myself a guide. I'm a man with a flashlight or the candle or the torch, helping them see things clearly, you know, and, and so they can change their mind. So I've, I've had many teachers. And I'll continue to have teachers, like Stephanie is one of my teachers today, about the breathing. So Stephanie, if you'd like to, and don't feel obligated to, but if you'd like to share about, I guess, sort of like technique or teachers or influences for yourself. Yeah, I'd love to share some of that. Um, so um, I think... In the beginning, I was really inspired by psychology. And I remember being in grade 11 and I took the intro to psych class and I looked up what psychology had meant and it said the study of the soul. And I was, I believe, 18 at the time, um, 17, 18. Um, and it just intrigued me. So I, I, I did it and then I applied for university and got accepted. And so I decided to um do psychology and my first psych prof he was just so knowledgeable and he talked about psychology in a way from a um quantum physics perspective and talked about soul stuff right and so he just fascinated me and I just I've always been just a sponge for knowledge right so I knew I wanted to keep on going with it and um I think that being connected with him, I, I strongly believe people come on your path when you're ready for it. 
um, because I actually had my spiritual awakening in the midst of his class and just, he wasn't even supposed to be on campus that day, but I went to campus and I was just falling apart because it was like, something's happening. And he was just like, oh, you just realized that you're not just flesh and bones, that there's something more to you. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, you've got a spirit. He's like, hi. <laughs> hi, Stephanie's spirit. And I was just like almost in tears. I was like, what's going on? He's like, He's like, you, you just had your spiritual awakening. He's like, good luck with it. And then he, he walked out of the building. Um, I still didn't know what he meant at that moment, but throughout my years, I definitely figured it out. And um, so my teachers just come onto my path when I'm ready for it with the teachings. And also a lot of my stuff that I do um, comes from my dreams. So I'm a huge believer that um, with that wisdom teaching, um, to be wise, like Beaver gives us the wisdom teaching from the seven sacred law laws, right? Or the seven grandfather teachings, whichever one you know what by. And so he talks about, um, you know, Beaver has incredible teeth. And if he doesn't use his teeth, they'll actually start to hinder him. And I, I feel the same way about our gifts. So I have the gift of dreams where um, I can travel all over the place. I, I connect with different people or beings um, and they, they teach me things. And so last night I had a dream, for example, that um, there was a person um, drumming and he, and he was singing this really beautiful song and, and I noticed that when he was drumming, he had his drum kind of pointing up into the air like this while he was singing. And I was like, why did you point your drum upwards like that? And he was like, well, he's like, because this song is is meant to um, sing to the to the ancestors and to creator that we need help right now. So he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing it up to the spirit world because that's where the song needs to go. He's like, if I was praying to Mother Earth, if I needed help from Mother Earth, I would point my drum downwards. And I was like, oh, that's so strange. I've never heard that before because I always see people drumming like this. And he's like, yeah, he's like, it's... So even with that teaching, like, um, I've never heard that before, right? And I've been always obsessed with, like, rocks and things like that. And someone had come into my dream and told me that the reason why it's, it's important to set your intentions with the stones that you have and it's because they're not, they're just regular stones until someone activates them because they, they act as portals. So you, when you want a stone to protect you, you have to ask it, please protect me. And then it acts as a portal, as a protection mechanism for you. Never knew that. So um, a lot of my ceremonies will come either through ceremony or through my dreams um, and some of these beings that come into my dreams often don't even speak like English to me. So they'll speak, be speaking another language and I'll understand them in my dreams. And when I wake up, it's like my English brain loses translation and I can only remember what happened in the dream and I can't remember what they told me. So then I have to like sit and meditate if I have time to meditate that day and figure out what was going on in the dream. So that's where much of my, my information comes from. Um, and then on top of that, I have 
people that train me here in the real world. I have um, elders that um, stop by and train me, like uh, medicine men. Um, he's actually here in town, uh, Elder Roger. He's from Edmonton. Um, and just people that I end up in ceremony with, with their teachings and um, give me little tidbits of knowledge that I need to hear on my path. And, and then, of course, um, my clinical training. I'm really drawn to um, people that um, just really embody that unconditional love in terms of um, the way that they hold space for other people. Um, so I, I think over time I understand who is safe people and just following my intuition, what teachings resonate, like you feel it, right? Like teachings when they're meant for you, it's like they ring in your heart, like a bell of truth. Right. And teachings that not aren't for you. Like you, you just feel it in your body. It just feels yuck for lack of a better term. Um, so I just been using my internal body and how it, what feels true to me as my guiding compass. And, um, so, um, speaking of that, emotions are actually, um, something that are really important to connect with when you're developing your intuition. I talk about this, um, quite a bit in the self-care medicine wheel because nobody teaches us how to process and sit with our emotions, right? So, um, emotions are our biggest teachers. You ask me about teach, who's our teacher, uh, who's my teachers, emotions, honestly. Um, it's our guiding compass in life. And, um, you know, those and emotions are, are such a funny thing because we actually have default emotions and primary emotions. So default emotions, um, default emotions are more so like those things um, that are just really familiar to us and that we feel all the time. So this can be like anxiety or anger or depression, right? Um, but primary emotions, like if you're generally a pretty anxiety person or um, depressed person, um, anger could actually be a primary emotion for you if it's less accessible and you're not able to express or connect to that anger. Because all anger is, is really just a protest to get your needs and wants met, right? Um, so if you're not able to do that as a young kid, you're going to shut that down and then all of a sudden you have anxiety for the rest of your life, right? Um, so it, even though emotions can be your guiding compass, getting to know how to actually sit with those emotions and how, how you relate to those emotions is actually really important. And being able to identify what is a default emotion compared to a primary emotion um, is so essential in your healing journey because your default emotions will keep you stuck in your trauma. Whereas primary emotions, they're very energetically alive and they're emotions, right? They're energy in motion. Emotions will keep your keep you stuck. Emotions, sorry, because they they're energetically stagnant. You'll feel if you're in a default emotion because you'll just feel collapsed and like you just can't. You'll feel really blah, right? So um, yeah, um, the last thing that I wanted to touch on was um, when you were talking about. Um, labels, especially at the age of six, um, I, I, you know, I have 
my teachings around childhood is like creator sits really close with us until we're about seven years old. So that first seven years is so important. Right. Um, and that, that, um, rites of passage ceremony and getting a name around eight years old is really important because, because of this, when people of a higher authority of us tell us something like we're, we're stupid little Indians, we're going to believe that. Right. Because now we just essentially went through a naming ceremony and because we don't sit so closely with creator anymore, we, we're not always 100% protected and we don't feel that safety to just be exploratory and curious in our environment and get every possible thing out of our environment, right? Now we have to call upon creator and we have to call upon our ancestors. We don't sit very closely with them anymore, right? So, um, so I think that rites of passage ceremonies and naming ceremonies are so important around eight years old. So I've done that with my own kids um, so far. And um, and I think that even as a, a, a counselor, I don't use labels with my clients. I don't say, oh, you have major depressive disorder. I don't do any sort of assessments and, and things like that. Oh, you have post-traumatic stress disorder, whatever it is. Because it's like when you're in, in a relationship with a person by by doing that, when they're so vulnerable, you just put them through a naming ceremony and they become really over-identified with that label, right? Um, so I would rather work from things of like strength-based approaches. And a lot of my clients really appreciate this because they, they, they're they so used to uh, people looking at them from a trauma lens and naming all the things that are wrong with them as opposed to uh, digging in and, and fluffing up all the things that is is right with them and all their strengths and um and who they truly are right and bringing more of that out of them right so um naming ceremonies are so important so when i am in this relationship with another person i'll name all the things that are good qualities about them their authenticity right um and start doing more work around that um one final thing I'll say when you're um, talking about your new moon um, and the sense of beauty and wonder and being able to feel that beauty, I call that creation energy. When we're so grounded and present with the world, um, we're able to just look at like just the most everyday things like an eagle feather and just see all of the beauty in it and be so present with it. Um, like even the, the whistling of the wind or like the brushing of the trees and things like that. Like there's so much beauty in the world. And when you're able to sit and just appreciate that, you're a part of creation energy because the energy is constantly flowing through you. Nothing's getting stuck, right? You're not thinking about anything. You're just so present with what's happening. And you're like, oh, this is so beautiful. The energy's flowing. And it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling. And that's where I get my clients to, to be in session and I make them stay there for a bit so that they can experience that and, and open up and make their container bigger for that experience rather than feeling so stuck all of the time. Right. So yeah, those are my teachings and my teachers. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. When I, when I was listening to you. That last part you were talking about, I say that we can have people come and see us, and they walk away with that feeling of, I want more. I want more. I'm going to go back. I want some more. You know, that feeling of, um, and I was listening to you about um, seeing the beauty and feeling it. 
that's more of an understanding of sacred. It's sacred. It's special. It's yeah. Okay. Thank you, Stephanie. Sarah, would you care to share a bit about your teachers and influencers and beliefs? Sure. So I have many teachers. Um, I feel like I'm. My foundations are grounded in indigenous ways of being and knowing. So a lot of my teachings come from my community, my elders, being out on the land, self-reflection um, mm -hmm. from our children and youth, um, our culture, our traditions. Um, so within that aspect, I feel like a lot of it comes from, you know, family and community. Um, and then also within my practice, I like to incorporate Western knowledge systems as well. I do see some value in in. Uh, mm -hmm. theories and things like that but I noticed throughout my education um, I did my undergrad in psychology and my master's in counseling psychology and I'm really intrigued in learning the different theories and knowledge systems but I noticed throughout I was always thinking how can this be adapted in a way that is more indigenous focused what what's in line with um, our beliefs and what you know is outside of it so I was always looking for ways that um, I can utilize Western old systems, but with an indigenous focus. Um, so some of my teachers, um, I really like Duran's book, Healing the Soul Wound. I took a lot from, from that. Uh, decolonizing trauma work, Link Water. So people who are already kind of looking at different ways to indigenize the practice. Um, yeah, so a little bit of the Western knowledge systems, but um, grounded in, in our beliefs and our traditions. Um, I get a lot from being out on the land. I love being by water. I think self-reflection is really big in, in being a counselor, but also I, I feel like I learn a lot from my clients. Each client I sit with and share with and who um, welcomes me into part of their journey, I learn so much from them. So. Thank you, Sarah. You know, and you're talking about, uh, I like land-based healing myself. Yeah. If possible, get them to go for a walk with you, go sit underneath a big tree or by the river or the lake, you know. And um, Because um, the, I guess I call them Euro-Judeo-Christian systems that have evolved, because I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief we're all tribal at one time. We all belong to clans all over the world. You know, that's why they call indigenous people the ones that still maintain clan systems and cultural teachings. But when they started the cities and the major urban centers, that loss of indigenous started to happen for human beings. But I really, you know, appreciate your your practice and about the whole idea of being out on the land, being in the trees, being with nature, because if we can connect them to that, you know, it'll help them. Because uh, my granny was a midwife, you know, and they talk about, um, you know, the afterbirth, like the umbilical cord, make a special container, and put it in the earth, or hang it in the tree, or put it in the water. And I said to my granny, um, why do you do that, granny? And she says, oh, to connect the baby to the earth. I said, what happens if you don't connect the baby to the earth? Oh, they have a chance to go crazy. <laughs> you know, like my grandmother 
would express herself in English, and that's how she would express herself. But years later, when I matured, I got it. Because when we're inside our mother, she breathed for us. She, every nourishment we get comes from our mother. We're totally dependent on the mother to keep us alive when we're inside our mom. Then when we leave our mom, the oxygen's going to come from the green trees and the green plants, and the water's going to come out of the earth, and our food and medicine, where it used to come from our mother. So they connect a baby to the earth, because now the earth, is, in a way, is going to keep that baby alive. And I thought, what a beautiful ceremony to be grounded and connected. Because when we're inside our mom, we're connected by that umbilical cord. It's like those people in space, you know, they're connected to their spaceship and that's where their oxygen is. Our oxygen was with our mother. She was providing that for us. So, and when you talk about culture, Sarah, which means a way of life, I'm so glad you have that connection because it will help you with your mental health, spiritual health, physical health too. And I feel that's what's missing with our people today. That whole identity problem of stupid Indians or welfare bums, you know, all of those. Like Stephanie said, don't give them a name, they'll live it. Like I lived a drunken Indian image when I was a wild teenager. You want to see a drunken Indian? I'll show you a drunken Indian. And I'd drink beer after beer, you know. They gave me a name and I was living it. That was wrong, wrong, wrong. You know, so thank you, Sarah, for sharing that. Um, Vanessa, teachers and influencers. And... Um, no, I think, yeah, my culture too. Um... Mm learning just my family's ways and learning even from my kids, um, learning the Western ways. It's like we do kind of live in two worlds. Yes. We the colonial way and then our right. traditional way. Yes. Um, so we're always learning how, how do we fit in and um, kind of like what you guys said earlier too is what kind of messages are you telling yourself? So I'm always trying to be cautious of, because I'm going to be my, I'm my own teacher. What kind of message am I telling myself that I'm going to believe? Um, so if I say I'm not going to be good enough, then I'm not going to be good enough. So now how do I challenge that that negative thought into... Because we can look at that negative list. That's going to lead to that depression or anxiety. That list can go on and on forever. Um, so now my job is how do I challenge that opposite list? What does that opposite list look like? Because there's always going to be different new, new opportunities that can present itself. And... Now it's a matter of, are you going to jump on that opportunity or let it slide by? Um, yeah, I think I'm just always learning. And I think the gift of just being present with somebody, sharing that energy with somebody. And what Stephanie talked about earlier, too, about emotions. Emotions are meant to flow. We're not meant to hold on to it. <laughs> and that's where depression comes in. You're holding on to everything. You're suppressing everything. And yes. it's going to come out one way or the other. And... If we could learn how to listen to our intuition and let those emotions flow, because suppose those emotions are communicating our needs and wants. Um, yeah, I think I just I learned from my kids. They definitely challenged me for sure, um, pushed me out of my comfort zone. 
because um, <laughs> I just want to protect them. Because we, we, even as parents, we learn how to, we learn parenting through just by parenting. And we learn by being parented when I, through our parents. And sometimes when a need's not met, then when we get older, we're like, okay, I'm definitely going to do that with my kids. Um, <laughs> but then sometimes it doesn't even work out like that way. And are you going to be okay with that plan? And the best gift is that presence. How could you sit with that, whoever's in front of you, um, and just be seen and heard? And change usually happens when you feel uncomfortable. So when you're uncomfortable, that's change. And how could you lean into that uncomfortableness? Because the more you do something, the easier it gets. It gets more comfortable. And so when that uncomfortable feeling comes again, then maybe you're ready to shift and lean into that change. And change isn't... Change is hard because we want to stay comfortable. Yeah. And I think um, even manifest. I've seen it with Sarah and Stephanie. That's how I came across them. They manifest things. When you want something, put it out there. Universe works in interesting ways and it's going to happen. Maybe it's not going to happen right now, but it'll happen sometime soon. Yeah. And watch what we ask for because it's going to happen. <laughs> Got to make, <laughs> got to make sure you're clear. No incomplete sentences. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and our indigenous people are really good at using humor. Another yeah. way of kind of processing what we're going through, and and that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, we need it to kind of ease that pain. And another thing too is every time I sit with somebody who's suicidal. I always, um, most of the time, they, it's not that they want to die. They want to release that emotional pain. That emotional pain is too much to hold. Then we kind of like, I like to process things. So how could we process, process this feeling together, allow that energy to flow through that emotion? Um, and then once you're able to get through that, there's always a little bit of hope there because they're, they're there talking to you. Yeah, so always learning and, yeah, just figuring things out. There's no right or wrong answers. One thing I always like to tell people, to make those mistakes. Every time we make those mistakes, that's where we're going to learn. Like, okay, I don't like that. I'm not going to do that again. Or, oh, I like that. How can I get more of that? Yeah. yeah. And all that takes time and process. And we all know that time is so precious. Yeah. Thank you, Van thank you, Vanessa. You know that um, it's just like I'm sitting down with aunties here. <laughs> 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 the answers in the culture, the answers in the children. Yes. You know, step outside of your boundaries, take risks, you mm -hmm. know. And sometimes the aunties say, give your head a shake. What are you doing anyway, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's totally an auntie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank yeah, you, Vanessa. Okay, thank you, Vanessa. So I sure you know, healing is a road, it's not a destination. And I tell people every day you wake up, you can change your mind. You don't have to keep that old habit. You can change. Jerry woke up one day, no more drinking. Of course it took a while, but uh, eventually it came true. No more drinking. I'm not a drunken Indian. 
you know, no more swearing, because that's a colonial structure of communication is swearing. They got the low, very low, um, what, what do they call that again? Like they got a very low imagination. They can't express themselves in other ways, so they swear. You know, they got very limited vocabulary. <laughs> so I'm not going to be that way, so I don't swear anymore. Plus, it's harmful, you know, to say something to people. All my elders that taught me never swore. They never used profanities, what they call profanities. Just, or, just like when I'm listening to you, it's healing for me. When I sat with elders and they talked, it was like healing. Helping me to become who, who I'm meant to be, who I am really. Uh, one of my teachers told me, you just think about yourself like an orange, Jerry. That orange is all covered up in that orange skin. And you start to take it off and what's inside is very good, very delicious and very healthy. That's the way you are, Jerry. So we're going to peel you and take away that negativity. <laughs> and it worked. I really want to thank you, three life givers today. Because I want the people out there to know there is help. Our own helpers are healing and growing too and using what works, what's good. Like Sarah says, you know, that they have good systems too. They have effective systems too. I'm talking about uh, the white government systems. It's not all bad. I've had wonderful teachings from a Gestalt therapist, a white man, taught me really well about listening and speaking. He says, communication, Jerry, is the most is listening to make sure you really hear what your client or the one you're working with is saying. So learn to be a good listener. So I worked at that. And you have, all of you have said things here about, and I want my listeners to know, you go find someone like these ones here today because they talk about culture. They talk about connecting. They talk about freeing yourself, letting things go. Don't give yourself a name. Don't be saying stupid things to yourself or you're stupid because you start to live and breathe that. Start saying, I'm a, I'm a strong indigenous. And like I'd say, I'm a strong, healthy indigenous man. And you start to talk to you. You give yourself a name like that, like Stephanie says. Don't buy into that complex trauma. Yes, you might have, trauma means to be wounded. Yes, we've been all wounded. Every one of us. We've been cut with racism, with different things in the colonial experience. But we're not what they say. We're not heathens. We're not pagans. We're not savages. We're definitely not stupid. I tell people, you know, when indigenous people were here by themselves, nothing was going extinct. Let's think about that, because we got things disappearing in Canada today, never to be seen again. You know, so, yeah. But now is the time I, I give you a chance to give a message to your choice. You can give a message to grandmothers or grandfathers or children or uncles, or aunties, or just people that are suffering from addictions. 
You just, whatever your spirit guides you to, give a message today and um, to a group or to individuals. You know, or you, you don't have to say names, but you can say, well, I'm auntie, I just want to let you know I love you, or whatever comes to you at this, this portion of the podcast. So, Stephanie, do you have um, a group out there you'd like to send a message to? I would like to send a message to everybody who is just beginning their healing journey and is feeling all the feelings that you feel at the beginning. My message is sometimes the bravest and most important thing you do is just show up. Thank you, Stephanie. Sarah. Yes, um, I guess to our aunties and uncles, the older generations, um, it's never too late to start your healing journey. You don't have to suffer. Helps out there. Um, just starting with the very smallest steps and um, beginning your healing journey. It's never too late. Thank you, Sarah. Vanessa. Um, I'd like to, I like working with parents, so any parent out there, um, the best gift you can give your child is be with them. Be with them in that emotion. That's the best <laughs> gift you can ever give them. Thank you, Vanessa. And I'd like to give a message to parents, too. Because I sometimes someone will ask me, how do I become a good parent? I say, the first thing is heal yourself. You know, first, that's the first thing. And uh, that means become pure and original who we're meant to be. We're all born for a reason, for a purpose, and with a gift or gifts. And it's our job to find that gift or those gifts and use it to help people. That's an indigenous way to be here for the people and for Mother Earth and everything that lives on Mother Earth. So I'd just like to thank all of you for the, for coming to this podcast today. You know, it's, uh, I feel blessed to hear you and to be with you. And I look forward to maybe revisiting at some point in the future to maybe do another recording and share with the people. Because the people need to hear, you know, because they don't know. Oh, what's going to happen when I go there? They're going to make me talk about all my mistakes. <laughs> you know? Or something like that. I don't know. That's the way I used to think anyway. You know, then I was surprised and I, I go there. It was actually to free myself of my negativity. To free myself of my fear and my anger. And it took a while. But it's well worth it. So anyone that's listening out there, you go on to the healing road and find helpers to help you on that road because they're out there. I have three of them with me today, Stephanie, Sarah, and Vanessa. If you live up in the north, you're lucky because you might be able to go see them. <laughs>